0: Hello, my friends, Eric Feltes here, life coach, speaker, actor, and host of The Great Unbecoming. This is a show about stories of unlearning. What did you let go of in order to become the person you are today? And what did you gain and learn as well? This is a show about letting go of stories that no longer serve us and stepping into our own authenticity. It's about unbecoming what society says you should be and remembering who you are and who you are meant to be. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the great unbecoming. Y'all, before I became a life coach that helps other gay men free themselves from church shame, I cannot tell you how many times I cried in my car screaming to God, what is my purpose? Why am I on this planet? Why is nothing happening? Uh, And so I am so delighted to have a guest with us today who specializes in in this work, in living a purpose-driven life. But before I... Uh, introduce him or let him talk. Y'all know how much I like to talk. Um, Let me read his bio so you know what we are talking about and who we we are talking about, I should say. Kevin Lee is known as a purpose coach, spiritual intuitive, a number one international best-selling two-time author, a motivational impact speaker, and was certified as a transformational trainer by Lisa Nichols. His keynotes and workshops include Discovering Your Divine Purpose, purpose Purpose-Driven Leadership, Spiritual Business Development, gratitude and self-love his mind body spirit teachings include consciousness the soul self death and dying and the afterlife as featured on nbc cbs fox and chicago news this two-time spiritual author's latest book your divine purpose a journey to fulfilling to fulfillment and legacy i'm going to say that again so i don't mess up the title in the (laughs) middle of saying it your divine purpose a journey to fulfillment and legacy has earned his high praise from readers. Kevin has been trained extensively and been certified by some notable names, such as Lisa Nichols, John C. Maxwell, and the Profit coach herself, Susie Carter. He has also produced two professional meditation albums. And he can also be found in his podcast live with Kevin Lee, interviewing leaders, luminaries, and sharing enlightening lessons for his audiences. And then I will drop all of his show notes um, in in the notes and uh, but just so you know you can you can go to www.iamkevinlee.com uh to learn more information about him mr kevin lee thank you so much for joining us on the great unbecoming
1: that's a beautiful introduction thank you don't you love hearing about
0: yourself because i know i love hearing about myself
1: And so, like you said, you froze. <laughs> I know. I literally, literally,
0: as soon as I started, okay, y'all, right before we started so I'll recording. Just wait
1: here until you come back to me.
0: Oh, God. You still can't hear me, Kevin? Nothing? I can hear you now. Okay, great. Yep. Literally, y'all, right before we started recording, I was like, you know, sometimes Riverside, like it, yep. it sounds great and it's it, it, all this stuff. And then you start recording and we just don't hear each other. <laughs> I don't know. This is why I'm taking a break. Speaking of taking a break, I want to say this before I forget, y'all. We are in November now, um, and this is the second to the last episode of season one. I will be back for one more episode next week, and then I am taking a much-needed vacation until further notice, as much as I love all of you. Um, As much as I love all of these technical glitches, Kevin, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's the reason I do it. It it helps me to practice my patience.
1: You know, so when we freeze like that, we're not like that politician up in Washington, right? Right. You know who's oh. the gentleman? I don't even know his name because I don't even follow politics.
0: We don't need to say their names. All right, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, the difference is that even if we freeze, we're not lying. So uh, we've got that going for us. You know, Kevin, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank as you so messy much. As, as this intro was, um, and one reason is is because this is something that I hear from so many men that I work with is I don't know what my purpose is and it's like they want not only do they want to know what their purpose is but they know what they want which is clarity of purpose they don't Mm -hmm. know how to get it so i love that you've built um so much of your career on helping people to find their purpose i'm curious to know for you how did you get to where you are like what in what ways was how did you clarify your own purpose to get you to help others to find theirs
1: sure no that's a great question because uh, probably 15, maybe even 17 years ago, it was 2007, and uh, this was a time where I had literally just achieved a life dream. I became a nurse anesthetist. It's what I'd always wanted to do, and I had already been a nurse for many, many years, a registered nurse. I'd been working critical care, nursing, all kinds of shock trauma, doing all that kind of stuff, and I just thought, you know what? I'm about to go sailing through life. I'll make some good money and do what I want to do. And at that time, I was very much against the concept of God. I didn't like churches. I didn't like preachers. I didn't like religion. I didn't like how I'd been treated my whole life. I was done with it. And um, it's really interesting how the universe works, because within literally, I would say about three months, I had a mystical experience, and it was not something I was looking for. It was not something I wanted. It was not something I was even comfortable with. Be- um there was, an, there was an element in the experience. Uh, I was at home one day and uh, this w- and the best way to describe it, I'm going to use some Christian terminology because I grew up Southern Baptist. It felt like what they talk about, the Holy Spirit enters the room and the space becomes electric.
0: Hmm. The,
1: your, the hair stands up in, in, on your body or something comes around you that feels alive or uh, in some way it's just a living energy. And that presence came around me and I could feel that it, I was safe. I didn't feel threatened by it. So I just kind of went with it. I didn't have anything else really to do. And I could, (laughs) I basically was guided. I, I heard a voice in my head. It wasn't like a physical voice. It was more like a memory surfaced and I could, I could just hear, uh, get in your car. You have to drive. And I remember thinking, what the heck is this about? I can't stand driving. I don't even like to drive myself around town. Why am I going to get in my car? And so I did. <laughs> like I said, I had nothing better to do. And uh, Snarky Kevin came out. So I shut the door and I said, now what? And I swear I heard in my head, drive south. So I thought, okay, here we go. So at the time, I didn't realize I knew exactly where to go. I entered in a neighboring town. I lived, I lived at the time and still do in Fort Lauderdale. And I I left Fort Lauderdale, drove past our airport, and went to a neighboring town called Dania Beach. And as I entered this very tiny, sleepy little town, I noticed there were a bunch of shops. I was looking at the shops, and uh, there was a sign that said metaphysical chapel. And I remember thinking, I don't know what those words are. I know the word chapel is like a small church, like a wedding church, you know, something like that. And then the word metaphysical, I thought, wait a minute, that's like that word psychic. And, and that's, that's not good. I don't need to be uh, a part of that. And it really weirded me out. I didn't like the sign. It, the concept for me was like angels and demons. Somehow they were both in that building and I didn't like that. Hmm. So I tried to avoid it. And as I drove past it and suddenly that presence came in my car and I could hear in my head, turn around and I could feel there were feelings with it this time, which was a sense of Uh, of urgency and someone being very adamant to demand that I turn around. Uh, And I did. So I went to this property and discovered it was a little church. And uh, I didn't go into the building, but I went back a few weeks later and discovered uh, uh, what became eventually the ministry that I led for many, many years and grew, grew it successfully and uh it was an old church of uh spiritualists metaphysicians they were very much into the afterlife everything psychic and uh it was very strange to me because i'd always wanted to believe in that but i was taught it was uh wrong and evil but also i was taught it was just you know a bunch of frauds magic mm-hmm. tricks and so the logical kevin fought it a lot <laughs> and then there was the soulful kevin deep inside that said You found your home. Stop being so difficult. Uh, This place will help you. I could feel that. And uh, it was just a few months later, probably around Christmas. So this happened in June, the first encounter. And then around Christmas time, I went to a special event where there was a a prophet or a medium. And uh, there was a message that came through that was highly appropriate because What I uh, didn't share uh, with you was that the the day before I had decided I was never going back to that place. Hmm. They hadn't done a good job teaching me, educating me on the concepts of their beliefs or metaphysics, spiritualism, the afterlife, and I thought, you know what? I I believe I'm a good person. I know in my heart I am, and I believe my soul is a good soul, and I'm I want to protect it. So I was literally about to I I was about to run out the door. because <laughs> I just ha- I was still programmed by my old very rural, very conservative beliefs mm-hmm. and if nothing else, even though I had always been taught God hated me god uh, uh I was an abomination, I was evil, incarnate, and all these things I've been told, uh there was still something that said, you know what there's still hope for me hmm. I was I'm, I've always been an optimist. And I've managed to walk through the fires. I got burned and bumped and battered and thrown around, but I still managed to believe there's still, there's there's gotta be a chance for goodness in the world. And so anyway, at this experience, a message came through, which was very peculiar because it came from Mother Mary and it was not somebody I prayed to. It was not somebody that I was even thinking about. I I knew who she was and I'd always loved the stories, but her message was, Kevin, you have free will, and you can li- you can stay at the church you have found, uh, she said actually that we guided you to, but uh, you also can leave. Uh, you have free will, you get to make the decision, but if you stay, you don't realize the lives that you will change. You'll change tens of thousands of lives in your lifetime. You have so much potential. And it was a very peculiar message because I thought, you know, is this legit? Is that even possible that that such a message could come through or is this just a magic trick? What the heck is this? How did this guy know who I was and what had happened? And the way he phrased things, how could he possibly have known where I was, where there were hardly 10 people at any time in that little church?
0: It Hmm. was
1: very peculiar. And so I went home. I received a beautiful uh, painting. That spirit created in that encounter, which was a very rare experience uh, for me, and I thought, mm, I don't, I just had a hard time buying that spirit could actually materialize a painting. Uh, Wait, uh, say more. How,
0: how did you receive the <laughs> painting? You just threw that in. <laughs>
1: I know, but I had to say it because I've I've spoken about it and written about it, and I don't want to take up too much time on that. Uh, it's in my book, but what I will say is this just like in the bible where it speaks about the ten commandments coming forward uh to moses right what is that spirit writing uh when it talks about uh uh david uh in the who was in the dungeons in uh in in the book of or daniel sorry daniel in the dungeon uh and king belshazzar uh, his queen said, uh, if you want to interpret the the writing on the wall that has just appeared in your temple, you need to go to the dungeon and get Daniel. And Daniel interpreted it. And he predicted the king's death in 24 hours. And, that's, and what he did was he read what was on the wall and interpreted it, and it came to pass. And so those are a couple of examples of materialized spirit writing and spiritual images, if you will, uh, and so there's other references, but basically that phenomena is a legitimate phenomena. I've wit- witnessed it with my own eyes. Uh, and I, I received this beautiful painting, uh, on a little bitty card of mother Mary and father Joseph. It was so bizarre to me. Hmm. I, I didn't know what to think about this whole experience. And so I, I left that experience. And when as I drove home, I was bawling and I kept thinking, why, why are you crying? What what is this all about? You you're literally out of this. You won't even have to go back to anything like this and again. Why are you so upset? And I realized by the time I got home that I had had a total transformation. Hmm. The words that I were I was given, the evidence that was given, the 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 messages. It was so much synchronistic confirmation for me on a spiritual level that that being that I'd never prayed to this mother mary that the message that came through was so appropriate in my life that no one knew what was going on in my life and yet what she didn't say to me was that i was a sinner that i was evil that i was an abomination that i was that god didn't love me what she said was she put the power of the choice into my existence and i had never been taught that growing up as a young man in texas and My family certainly didn't believe that concept. The power was in the preacher. (laughs) And beyond that, the power was in God. And so this whole uh, experience in this new uh, world religion, spiritualism, it really rocked my world. And I realized Mm. whatever the heck just happened to me, I'm not afraid of death anymore. I'm not afraid of the spirit world, whatever that may be. I may not understand it, but I'm not afraid of it now. I know that I'm not afraid of of my soul being at risk of going to some place they call hell. I, that's not mm. a concept for me anymore. But I realized that so many things that I had been told uh, and misled by the mistruth from society, religion, culture, community, family, uh, so much of the fear and pain associated with all that was gone. And it was the first time I felt so light and so... I felt energized. I felt elevated. I felt like there was so much hope for my future. And I remember sitting there crying and holding this little strange little card with the image. And I remember saying out loud, uh, God, what uh, whatever just happened to me uh, and whatever this thing is, I guarantee you I'm going to devote myself to learn about it. And I want to serve people and help people to experience what I just experienced because ooh, I feel it. Because if I can be changed and I can be that difficult and logical and whatnot, and I can, get, I can have this transformation in this moment, I want to do that for other people. And I didn't really know what that meant, but that's the words that I said. And what really unfolded was, you know what, I may not understand a lot about religion or church at the time, but what I can do is I can get people together and tell my story. And mm-hmm. so I started getting people together and bringing them to this tiny little church that was falling apart. <laughs> they didn't know how to run a business. They didn't know how to educate people, uh, and that's what I taught them how to do. And uh, and so it became really a, it became so fulfilling to me to be able to share this crazy life that I had, where where um, my family basically has disowned me uh, because of being gay. And uh, much less they ha- they barely even know what I believe, because I knew they couldn't tolerate that. Mm-hmm. And so just sharing the story, the difficulty of growing up and and not ever really feeling like I was a whole human being. And yet this new community and these new people that I was encountering mm-hmm. in the world of spiritualism and metaphysics, they were so accepting and I quickly realized that they were just like me. They were battered and beaten down and chased out of other churches and had the Bible thrown at them, literally. And yet they were still willing to approach the world of spirit or or to have a spiritual understanding of what life and reality is. And, but they would just set all the other stuff aside. And they just wanted people to accept them for who they were, to not judge them, and just to love them. And also they were looking for inspiration and guidance. And I could definitely give them that. <laughs> I hmm. love to talk. I love to share. I love hmm. to give them hope. And that's really how it all began. And I thought, wait a minute, my my purpose, I can help people find their purpose kind of like I did. Hmm. And that's how it began. So I just, when I would put on a workshop, I'd say, what What do you want to learn? I've learned a lot. I've spent a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of sacrifice to, to kind of evolve. Um, what do you need and let me see what i have inside my mind my experience what can, how can that help you hmm. and that's really how a lot of the classes uh evolved into bigger workshops and then uh lectures sermons presentations i travel it really grew and uh my church grew and i was shocked uh because i had never had <laughs> never been involved with building a church i just used some basic business principles and i was i was nice to people so they came back <laughs>
0: Go figure. Isn't it funny Imagine, when we use kindness
1: and not fear? You know, funny, that just came out of my mouth and it reminded me of what I didn't say, which was when I walked into that little church on the first day, uh, the metaphysical chapel of South Florida, I remember saying to somebody, one of the, one of the I don't know, team leaders who greeted me, to, you know, the welcome team or whoever it was. And I said, where, where are all the black people? <laughs> and I said, or the Hispanic people. And then, and she said, oh, they don't come back. I said, well, what do you mean they don't come back? She goes, they never come back. I said, how do you treat them? And she goes, well, I don't know. We just, we don't really interact too much because we don't want to scare them. So we just kind of leave them be. And I thought you literally are avoiding them. And I said, where are all the families with kids? There should be kids and families here. And they said, well, they never come back. And I kept hearing they never come back and I thought, what are you people doing here? It was such an old white church. I said, I guarantee you I'm going to change this because I'm not having an old white church. And I don't want to be a part of that. I want a church of all people of all kinds, all beliefs. I don't care if you're of another religion, come and sit Mm. in my church and let's talk and have an experience, a a spiritual experience, a spiritual gathering. And uh, just be respectful of what I believe and what I teach. And I'll be respectful of what you believe and what you put forward. And that's Mm. really how I led it. I just reminded people to be respectful in the space. Hmm. And in
0: respecting others, you respect yourself. You know, I'm hearing a lot of the way you treated yourself. It sounds like that's how you were treated. Just things I picked up on through your story so far. It's I I talk a little bit about spiritual gaslighting, and uh, you know, it's
1: what is that? Explain that
0: spiritual gaslighting so ge- gaslighting is making someone else feel uh, I'm not going to be able to describe this eloquently but it's it's making someone else feel as if it's their fault things like oh that's not uh, what i said or oh you're you're being crazy or it's yes. victimizing yourself so let's say i so let's say you try to hold me accountable for something i said to you that was out of mm. out of line and i say why are you scolding me okay now i've taken your power away from you through Trying to trick you, trying to diminish your feelings or make you feel crazy. I don't remember the name of the movie, but it comes from a movie from a long, a black and white movie from a long time ago. I want to say it was called, might have been called Gaslight. Huh. It had to do with a man who uh, was trying to make his wife feel crazy. So he would do things like turn the gaslight on and say that she did it. And he literally made her feel like she was crazy and then sent her to a, a psychopath. Wow.
1: Yes, I have experienced that.
0: Woo! Well, so so spiritual gaslighting is gaslighting uh, at the pulpit. And, you know, it's funny how you and I were led to believe, oh, don't believe in this nonsense. Don't believe in this, you know, psychic nonsense and all this stuff. It's trickery. They're trying to get your money. What are they doing? Besides standing (laughs) at the pulpit (laughs) and making you feel bad about yourself and asking you for money. And I'm not, I identify as Christian, I'm not discrediting Mm. tithing, if that's what you feel is right for you. I think sometimes it's necessary, but... But, and again, I'm not discrediting Christianity, but there is as much proof that Christian, the rules in Christianity or the stories in Christianity are true as there is in any other religion. It's yep. just mind boggling how hard it is for some Christians to separate beliefs yeah. from facts. And when we don't know how to sell, to separate them, there's no room for celebration. There's no room for diversity. There's no room for questions. We're scolded for questioning, aren't we? I'm listening. You froze again. I know I did. I could tell you froze earlier too. So we're scolded for questioning. And so then you go to this small church and you think, I can't mm. listen to this because that's what yeah. you've been taught. Right. Isn't it beautiful too how, so I use the word Christ. Are you familiar with Richard Rohr? No. So Richard Rohr has written uh, several, several books, but my favorite book that really changed my life is called the universal Christ. And so he talks about this idea of, uh, of, of Christ as being an all encompassing, all infinitely loving that goes beyond uh, Christianity. So when I say Christ, I don't, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about a universe
1: Buddha, if you will. No, that makes sense. We call we use the terminology Christ consciousness.
0: Oh, sure. Yes. Yes. This sounds very um, new thought church.
1: Similar. Yep. New thought evolved out of spiritualism, yes. Oh,
0: there you go. So yeah. it's beautiful to me to think that with your background in Southern Baptist, I mean, I know it's not mm-hmm. Catholic and you don't you don't mm-hmm. view Mary in the same way Catholics do. However, right. you come from a Christian background. You mm-hmm. went to this non, I won't say non-Christian, but spiritual sure. center. And the images shown to you were that of a Christian religion, which I yes. think personally, I want your opinion on this, but mm-hmm. I feel... It's easy for people to think like, yep, therefore Christianity is right and everything's wrong. To me, it's so much bigger than that. To me, God is so creative. It's so creative. It's like, I say it, God is so creative and it's like, Mm -hmm. this is the language and the imagery that works for you. So I'm going to tap into that to speak to you. If you were Muslim, I'm sure you would have had a much different spiritual experience. I think that's so exciting. Very
1: possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we spoke, when we spoke a moment ago about the spiritual gaslighting, one of the things uh, that commonly comes up in discussions and arguments and you'll see it online in in posts or in articles and such and people will speak about, uh, well, tithing is bad and or, uh, you know, the Christian religion is the right religion and yours is the wrong religion. So there's all this like a type of gaslighting going on, but also uh, there's the, what what is not discussed, especially in that situation of of tithing, is that uh, the principle of tithing is more of a it's it, there is two part. One, it benefits the church financially, uh, and so there's a power control issue there, and that's why it gets uh, really abused in very inappropriate ways and used in ways that to harm people in a in an offensive way, not just defensive. uh, Like, you know, the bill's got to get paid. You need to make it uh, your tithing. But, right. So shame uh, people into tithing. It's really a shame. A, it's a weapon of shame and guilt and fear. And that's what I grew up in, which was we had the screaming preacher. We had the preacher that was, I, he was angry. I mean, that dude, I don't know how he didn't lose his voice. That dude yelled constantly for 30 minutes. Uh, You couldn't fall asleep because you felt like you were being yelled at. And uh, it was a very hostile environment, but it was always the power was always in the pulpit. The Mm. power was in the pulpit as the preacher was the representative of divine force and had a direct connection. And you have a problem, you go to your preacher, your priest, your imam, you know, that's what we know. But within spiritualism, within new thought, within uh, spiritism, other religions, certain other religions, there's this concept which I found amazing that that power in the pulpit was shifted to, to the pews. Mm-hmm. And so the divine is within me because I am the expression of that divine. And that's, you know, new thought and, all, and those religions I just mentioned. Uh, and when you go to traditional uh, Christian or Catholic or uh, certain places like that, it is the total opposite. You must pray to that God figure, the God being the white man on a throne, uh, which cracks me up every time because I freaking love the shack that they had a mm. black woman who was sassy and funny and loving, and I I love that concept. God's not a person; God is simply an all pervasive force, this mm. infinite intelligence, is like a cosmic mind, if you will, and we literally are a thought of it. We are mm. the expression of it, and so, uh, and that's how Spirit has explained it to me several times that. Uh, I, because I remember in the beginning, I said, have you ever met God? Did you see God? What was God wearing? And they're like, what are you talking about? God is not a person. God's not a being. God is a force. It's like, it's literally the white light, but there's, there's a consciousness to it. And so that's how they've described it. Quite fascinating.
0: You know, what's interesting. I don't tell this story often and I I, I won't Mm -hmm. go into
1: drastic detail, but I had a spiritual
0: awakening experience once where I, I didn't see this image, but I, but I very much sensed and could visualize mm. me. It was literally, well, figuratively Beautiful. me walking to the room. And I knew that that was Christ. And that's not wow. saying that I'm God, but it also no, at the same time is saying that I am God. Like yeah. we're all God, right? Right, the um, concept I
1: am that I am, yeah.
0: Exactly, and the recognition that I am made in the image and likeness of God.
1: Exactly.
0: I I genuinely felt Mm -hmm. this presence of me and what that version of me, which I, you could say God, you could say highest version of self, Christ, Mm -hmm. Christ consciousness, um, said, thank you for never, thank you for not giving up on me. And that's all they said. And I started sobbing and I said, "I, I would never give up on you. And I mean, it was such... I know words oh, can't describe frozen, it, but it I was such an emotionally moving experience that I, I dropped to yeah. the floor and my ha- I had my my hands on the couch and I was sobbing. And then Beautiful. I got this image of, <laughs> I got the image of Jesus, now this is going to sound morbid, the no. night before he died in Gethsemane when he was sobbing and said, I don't want to do this, but but if you but if it's your will, then I will do it. I say yeah. morbid because this was not a scary, I feel like Jesus was scared. Um, yeah. This is not a scary experience. It's an overwhelming experience. Jesus but had I, a
1: human experience. He was yes. a human being. He just yes. was a spiritual being having a human experience. So that's why there were uh, the moments of, of questioning or moments of fear or mom- moments of sadness, moments of being betrayed. He knew what uh, Judas had to do, he told Judas to go do it. He he, he knew the prophecy had to be fulfilled. You know,
0: I, I I've said this before. I think a danger that a lot of fundamentalist Christians make mm. are that they they um, they humanize God too much and they dehumanize <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus too much.
1: Humanizing so, God
0: is that sinners in the hands of an angry God. God is angry, like like maybe like your abusive father is, right? Not your yes. just general abusive father. Whereas my my father was pretty vile. (laughs) I didn't want to I didn't assume, but now we know, but yeah, so it's easy for you to get that image of your father and think that's what God must be like, but it's Mm. also tempting to think, well, well, Jesus was God. So he was perfect and blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. When I have thrown that off the shelf, no, that's yeah. why I love talking about things like he was 33 when he was murdered. He knew he was going to yeah. be murdered, according to the stories. He, and he was a he zealot. Was Jesus was literally a So for a me, in book, that recognition, that I, I recognize that the more I love uh, If I'm not mistaken, my it, queerness, the author is,
1: is Muslim, right? Did you hear say,
0: me? So we, 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 we probably spoke over each other. Say <laughs> that again.
1: I think we did. Okay. So I, I was sent, you mentioned Jesus. and And I said, you know, Jesus was a zealot. And there is actually a book that, if I'm not mistaken, a Muslim author, highly intelligent man, very eloquent individual. I remember seeing him in a documentary on TV, uh, some kind of a news documentary, and they were interviewing him about that. And I kept and but he spoke about Jesus in a way to identify him, that he broke the rules constantly. He challenged people, the authorities. He challenged the religious beliefs of the time. He was such a disruptor. He, and and it's really fascinating because he wasn't this picture-perfect uh, individual. He was a person uh, that could be very loving but also very disruptive. And it pissed a lot uh, of people off. And I just find that fascinating because that sounds like a typical human being. I've known people like that.
0: A hundred percent. And, and I, I firmly believe that the people that crucified him 2,000 years ago are the same ones that use him as a weapon – for example, against the queer community or to justify yep. their own xenophobia, homophobia, racism today.
1: Yes, totally. Yes. It's a so nice when excuse we, to hide behind.
0: When we humanize Jesus, I think we, we are, we give ourselves permission to love ourselves more because we think, therefore, if Jesus can do this, I can do this. And I've recognized how important self-love is. The more I love who I am, the more I feel seen and loved by Christ. And I think that Aww. that's why that image for me was of me in that moment.
1: That's beautiful. Wow. No, it makes total sense. And you know, it's interesting. A lot of times when messages come to me from spirit, uh, through various channels, uh, the shortest, most concise messages that are, they're so simple and they are so profound. So Mm -hmm. once again, I've just heard another example from you, which is, uh, where there was this maybe five or six word thought sentence that came forward. From the you as a representation of Jesus, but yet it was so profound that there was a transformation that took place. I see mm-hmm. quite often,
0: hundred percent. So I'm assuming, uh, but I, but I don't, but maybe I shouldn't assume that some of the work in finding your purpose is silence and listen. Big time, yeah, big time,
1: yeah. Because what's uh, what's the one thing most people don't want to do? They don't want to go back to the dark memories. They don't want to mm. shut their eyes and sit in a in a quiet room by themselves for 15, much less 15 minutes, even five minutes. Right. Uh, I've had people get up and make excuses. They need to go to the restroom. I'm like, well, you just went last hour. Why do you need to go again? I think you're trying to avoid the exercise.
0: Mm. Well, I <laughs> and about I this see that a lot people
1: start, yeah. I watch in one of the, and I even, I even tell them, look, you're going to have these uh, symptomology will appear on the edge of a breakthrough. You're going to have, you're going to get angry, maybe with me. Maybe with your memories, you're going to have, you're going to get very irritated at things I'm saying. You're going to get very irritated with yourself, the whole encounter, the experience you're in. Something about the room is really going to annoy you or the person next to you is going to really annoy you. These are moments of breakthrough. So I want you to stay and push through them. So uh, I've seen things like that in these, uh, in some of my workshops, it just reminds me, where it reminds me to remind them you're you're right on the pre- precipice of a breakthrough mm. and, uh, just pay attention to how are you feeling right irritation yeah. is a feeling yes uh, annoyance is a feeling uh anger is a feeling so you're paying attention to feelings and most people don't want to do that mm-hmm. uh, because they're only aware of the the extreme feelings happiness uh definitely hunger because i love to eat too <laughs> mm-hmm. but Uh, You know, things like that, anger or fear, these are the extremes and we'll pay attention to those and try to deal with those, but we don't deal with the subtle ones. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, momentary shame or that I don't have a voice uh, in the matter when, yes, you do have a voice. Uh, And Mm. so I think that's very appropriate for people to be aware that they, in the work for transformation and to discover your purpose and even discovering your purpose, it doesn't have to be transformation, but it typically happens because you'll begin to love yourself and you'll realize I have been tolerating way too much for my whole life. And if I begin to set non-negotiables and identify them clearly, what I will no longer tolerate and what I expect in whatever situation, person, place, or thing, if I'm setting what I my expectations and I have a clear goal because I've gone through the exercise, because I've gone within to find uh, what if i what have i stopped doing in life that i used to love as a child well mm-hmm. kevin used to paint do all paintings i used to paint i loved it i haven't done it in a long time <laughs> but uh, that's an example of something that brought me incredible joy that i really couldn't describe i felt incredibly connected to the universe when i did it and i was very good at a young age uh, mm. but i was very embarrassed because the other boys made fun of me that i was i was doing i was painting which was a girl's a girl's task. Or mm. a, it was too girly, and so I stopped it. I stopped piano because they said it was too girly, and so I stopped a lot of things a long time ago. And a lot of times, I guarantee you, people have experienced the same things. So let's yeah. go back to those old memories. May not be pleasant. We're gonna have to deal with the bullies. We're gonna have to deal with the shame. And let's see why did you why did you have shame in that moment? Where did that originate? It didn't happen mm. in that moment. It happened mm. before. The moment mm-hmm. in your childhood. So we're okay. let's go back to where did that begin, and who mm-hmm. did that to you? Uh, what you know, what happened? What did you do or not do in that situation? So you really kind of uh, take them through a process. Uh, if you're doing that in, in a live experience or maybe even on an audio tape, I can guide them through a process. But uh, a lot of times, just sitting and giving them one or two areas to look at in their life for you know for the next week's assignment. Mm-hmm. Is really pretty profound because most people avoid looking at anything. So one or two discoveries is huge for people.
0: What I'm hearing, so and I love this, that. And this is such a similar, this is so similar. The work we do is so similar, but it's it's not avoiding, but rather bringing your awareness into it. It could be bring your awareness into that discomfort that you're so used to either avoiding or talking your way out of, or shaming yourself yeah. for feeling, or numbing through other other uh, <laughs> substances. Uh, I'm yep. guilty of that. Uh, but it's also bringing your awareness into your childhood. It's bringing your awareness. It's, yeah. You know what? And I say this to my clients all the time, but I'll share it with you. I used to use the word regress a lot with my therapist. Mm-hmm. I used to say, oh, I'm regressing. Mm-hmm. And my therapist would say, well, we're not in a time machine. We don't go backwards in time. <laughs> Is it possible, although it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker, but does it suit you to say, I'm experiencing uh, uh, unresolved trauma in a new way with a new uh, stimuli. Something new wow. has happened to me, which yeah, is yeah, that's much sexier. Unresolved much se- trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's I not like a quickie. That. It's not a quickie, but it's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah, but but that's good, you know. And I always tell my clients, you know, discomfort is not only data that you're growing; it's necessary yeah. to grow. So if you feel uncomfortable, what a great opportunity from the universe to dive into that discomfort and yeah. see what's unresolved to move forward. It's so easy for me to say this to you, Kevin, when we're recording. Don't look at me when the cameras are off and I'm like swearing at my in my car or in my fear journal, just swe- cussing someone out. But again, right. you also have to experience those. I you think do. that the anger, is it's a part of grief. And I think yep. to avoid the anger, to try to rush the process is probably something you see as well. Like you probably see some yep. people that avoid it. And then you probably see other people that think, well, well, I'm not angry anymore. I'm ready for the next step. Well, no. Oh, yeah. You can't rush it, yeah. right? Yeah, you can't rush it. No, that's <sighs> so true. Very true. Kevin. We could probably talk for hours. I mean, just looking at the notes you sent me, there's nine more stories we could talk about, but I would <laughs> love to have you back another time. Um, sure. I don't honored. know if... Yeah. I want people to buy your book. So give us before, without giving too much away, give okay. us one takeaway, one thing we can do for anyone. I'll, I'll give you this. There's one person listening that's very moved by your story. That's very connected. They mm-hmm. already have your book in their Amazon account or in their checkout, mm-hmm. but they want one... They want to hear one thing from you. What's one thing they can do today if they're like, wow, I am lost. I don't have a purpose. Well, of course you
1: froze right when you asked the question. (laughs) okay. I can repeat it. Can you
0: hear me now? Now, yes. Okay. So there's one person listening that that is resonating with you so much. Uh, They've never had a spiritual experience like that. They don't know what their purpose is. What would you have to say to that one person?
1: I'm going to make it a two-parter. One is just begin to love yourself. Because hmm. uh, it all starts with learning to love yourself and being, giving yourself grace uh, to not be perfect. We're we're meant to be imperfect. Uh, we're meant to be, uh, we are souls having a human experience, right? So we're meant to be imperfect. If we were meant to be perfect, we wouldn't even be in this dimension. We'd be in a higher dimension, having a beautifully perfect life. And hmm. so we're meant to fail in life to learn from these experiences. That's how our souls evolve. So just give, give yourself grace that you don't have all the answers. And all you need to do is just sit in, to find ways to love yourself more. And that's probably the most profound way I can put it. But, but secondarily, I'll say to find your purpose, find what you love. Hmm. It really is. It's as simple as that. What lights you up? What do you get lost in doing Like I used Mm -hmm. to get lost in painting for like hours as a child, and I don't do that anymore. Uh, And it's something I think about returning to because it brought me so much incredible joy. Now nature is kind of my painting. I love to be in nature. And Mm -hmm. so find what lights you up. What do you love doing that you get lost in that you could just talk for hours on? And I guarantee you, whatever that is, you can... Uh, use that to serve other people, to lift them up out of their dark times, their dark moments, their dark beliefs. And you can even, if if you're so inclined, you can create a business around it. It's so easy because mm-hmm. there are so many people who would love to exchange what we call the energy of money for the energy of your time as a coach and as a mentor and somebody who's walked through that dark valley that they re- they can see themselves having walked through because mm-hmm. they're queer, because they're Uh, because they're maybe they're disabled in some way because they maybe they've got a relationship issue that that identifies with what you've gone through. So really uh, just find what you love to do. And and it all starts with discovery, going within and really feeling what what did you really love to do? What do you love to do? And start Mm. there. That's the easiest way to do it.
0: It's what i love about healers i feel you know you've probably heard this before but they Mm -hmm. say that religion is for people who are afraid of hell spirituality is for people who have been there and who choose love anyway Uh, in order to create a heaven here on earth i think that sounds like it's true for you it's definitely true for me i was burned by the church and and i and i think that when you've experienced that sort of any sort of hardship whatever that looks like, or mm-hmm. trauma, and you can turn it around and turn that, that trauma into tribulation and help others so that they have a, a potentially a, a more fulfilling journey along the way. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so healing for us, but I mean, it's, it's just it also introduces us to people like you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think that those who value our values gravitate towards us. And so it's so, so, yeah, so, it's so exciting to be a part of the healer uh, community.
1: Absolutely, 100%. In that way. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: I like to say that technology is homophobic and today was no exception. (laughs) It tried to keep us apart. It's
1: gremlins.
0: It tried to keep us apart, but gosh darn it. We are gayer and prouder (laughs) and better healers than we were an hour ago. So take that homophobic technology. Thank you so much for being here. It's an honor. Um, Of course, I'll put all everything in the show notes, including, um, information on well your bio and your your links Perfect. where can people buy your book
1: yeah, absolutely through my website in the shop on my website I iamkevinlee.com that's the easiest way it's on amazon yep. also but it's easier through my website amazing
0: all right kevin lee thank you so much for your time everyone else thanks Many for blessings. joining us for this Bye, for this call and i will see you next week for our final call of season one see you then Bye. All right, my friends, that's all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Great Unbecoming. And if you did, please share this on your social media and tag me, Eric Feltis. That's Eric Feltis on Instagram and Facebook, and Eric.feltis on TikTok. And to make sure you don't miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts, and go ahead and give us a five star review. Your ratings and reviews are really the fuel that keep us going, and we're so grateful for your support. And of course, check out this episode and all episodes and our YouTube channel at Life Coaching by Feltis. And finally, don't forget to go to www.lifecoachingbyfeltis.com and sign up for our email list and stay up to date on everything that's coming up and going on in our shame-free community. I will see you next time. And until then, know that in this space, you are always seen, supported, and celebrated. Bye for now.